Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Well, good morning, Venture. It is great to see everybody here. Everybody seems alive today. I don't know. There's some energy in it. Welcome to those who are watching online. We wish you were with us, but we're glad that you're joining us through technology and that you can be a part of it. And I'm excited today. We get to finish out this series, Neighborhoods to Nations. And as we kind of think about where we are in the calendar year, we're finishing out this series. And then I'm gonna finish out the book of Romans because in January, I told you we'd go through it this year and we're gonna do it. So we're, we're gonna commit to it. And then we got the Christmas season ahead of us. And so there's a lot of fun things happening, a lot of exciting things happening. But I love this series in particular. I love that we as a church take this time every year to think about the mission, to think about what God's doing because I think it forces all of us to think about our own lives and why we're here and what matters in life. It forces us to wrestle with our very purpose in life. And especially I think for young people, we've got a lot of young people who are part of the church and in it. I think that's one of the core questions. And if you look at the surveys of the generations coming up of really wrestling with purpose in life and why you're here. In fact, they did a survey of 18 to 24 year olds just a few years ago. And uh, they asked them, what does it mean to be an adult? And one of the core things they said is that when you're an adult, you have a clear purpose in life. That's, that's part of being a real adult. But interesting as they dug in on that, the problem, most young people don't feel like they found a sense of purpose. More than 86% of young adults say that making decisions in line with their purpose in life would make them adult, but only 43% say they have a clear picture of what they want in life. 36% say their career path aligns with a life purpose. Only 30% could answer the question, why are you here? And Christine Whelan, a professor at the University of Wisconsin, she said, this study isn't good news because coasting is not existing, it's not thriving. The majority of young adults who say they don't have a clear picture of what they want in life also say they are existing but not thriving. While those with purpose more often would say, yeah, I'm thriving in life. That that absolutely makes sense that you go, if I have purpose in life, if I know the why, I know what I'm going after, all of us have that sense that I don't wanna just exist, I wanna thrive. And, And we see this struggle with young adults, but the reality is you see it with the a lot of mature adults as well. That many of us that maybe even at some point in life we go, you know, I I think I had a clearer sense of purpose, but we can lose it in the daily existence. And you can lose it as a church. It's very easy for churches to become places where we're trying to exist instead of thrive. And so that's why when we, we talk about this series and it redirects us, It redirects us to the heart of God, but it also redirects us to our very purpose as a church. Remember last week, I I kind of walked through Jesus and we studied from Jesus, just to give you a little bit of a review. Remember as Jesus prayed these words, he said to his heavenly father, as you sent, and that word in Latin when it's translated as missio, that's where we got missions from. It's the word sent. And so Jesus says to the Father, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And we, we looked at it as so, as Jesus 
was sent, we are sent. And it gives us real clear definition of our purpose with that. His mission is our mission. And if you didn't hear the message last week, I'd encourage you to go back and look through the notes because we, we walked through in detail what, what is his mission. His mission to come and seek and save the lost. His mission that turned into a mandate to us where he says, hey, here's your great commissioning. You go make disciples. As we saw that he did that motivated because God loved the world. It was all out of love. That it was so strategic in his methodology that he came incarnationally. He was here in person with us. And strategically, he would do these large events, but then he was also very personal and focused on a few. And as we looked at that, and I would just encourage you to look at it, that we are a church. We're not a church with missions. We are a church on mission. And I think this is the key to switch our thinking. Because it's very easy just to be a church. We're just trying to survive. We're just a church and we're surviving and it's a big, bad world. And it's nice that God put these little dots on the planet called churches. And those of us that are Christian, we can kind of come on the dot and we realize, oh man, it's good to be around other Christians. And it is, it's great to have fellowship. It's great to worship. It's great to be together. But that's just a church that's surviving. Or you can take it to a level that you go, well, you know, you know venture, we've got a long history. We're a church with really strong missions. We're a church that we, we've sent missionaries out for years and we support and we're doing this work around the world. And again, great thing. We're a church with great missions. But that falls short of the purpose of why we're here. See, what Jesus is calling us to is you're not just to plant churches and be churches with a missions program. The church itself is the mission. You're the mission. Your life is the mission. It's what we're called to in that. And so as we finish this out, he wants us to be the kind of church that we look at it and we go, wait a second, when he said he was sending out his church, when he said he was unleashing his church, when he formed his church, I mean, he looked at his disciples when it was still just a few of them. And he says, I'm gonna form my church starting with you guys and the very gates of hell can't stand against it. You're never supposed to be these safe little dots on the planet where people can survive. You guys are an offensive force that literally scares the defenses of hell. Amen. That's what he's doing through his church. That's, that's the mission. If that didn't get you excited a little bit, if that didn't make you look up and kind of go, well, wait a second, there may be some purpose here in what we're doing. And, and I think the reason we miss part of this is we get a couple of questions wrong. When we start thinking about church, start thinking about life, the first question I think we get wrong, and I put it this way, I mean, the purpose question really is the question, why are we here? Why are we here? But if we were just to ask as a church, why are we still here? Why is the church still on this planet? Why has Jesus not come back yet? I mean, just think about it for a minute. Why has Jesus not come back yet? And don't go to end time scenario because this has to happen in world events. I'm not talking about all that stuff. I'm just talking about at a core purpose level. When, when you could ask yourself, why are we here? Why has he not come back? What, why is the church still here? And you might answer, well, we are here to bring God glory. Well, absolutely, but we could do that a lot better in heaven. In fact, we will. Well, we are here to love one another. Absolutely. But we'll be a lot better at that in heaven too. 
We won't be so jerky to each other there. I mean, let's be honest with it. We're gonna be better people. And so we'll love even better there. We're here to worship. Absolutely, we're here to worship, but we're gonna be better at that in heaven. I can't wait. I'm gonna get one of these voices like the people that are on the stage here. (laughs) We're here to learn more about him. Well, don't you think you'll learn more face-to-face? I mean, you, you go start going through all the reasons that we can tell ourselves this is why we do church and why we're here. But when I ask the question, why are we still here? It's a question, by the way, they were asking even 2,000 years ago. Remember 2,000 years ago, Jesus says, I'm coming back. The church said he's coming back and he died. Live like he's coming back tomorrow. And, and in Peter's time even, there were these scoffers, these mockers that started coming and going, hey, where's your Jesus? He hadn't showed up yet. Why hadn't he come back? And, and Peter says, well, one, you don't have a conception of time like God does. He's, he's outside of time. So, I mean, 2,000 years, 1,000 years like a day to him. That's, that's not a big deal. But then he tells us why we're still here. He tells us why God has not come back. Look what he says. The Lord is not being slow about his promise. And if you look in the context, the promise here is specifically the promise of why he's not returned yet. He's not being slow about it as some people think. He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. He said he's patient for you guys. He's on a mission that started in eternity past. He's on a mission that required him to, out of love to send his son. He's on a mission that required him to come and take on human flesh. A mission that led him to the cross. A mission where he died. A mission where he rose again. A mission where he says, and the mission is not complete, he's gonna come back. And when he comes back, the mission's over. He'll come back and conquer this planet and all of it for all time. But until that time, he's still on mission. And guess what? We're plan A of the mission. See, we're still here because the mission's not finished, guys. The mission's not finished. There are people on this planet. There are people who need to know God. There are people who've not experienced him. There are people that he looks at him and says, if I were to come back today, they would be destroyed. I would have no choice because they're not right with God. And so he says, it's not finished yet. That there are people that cross our path and sometimes we look at it and we go, how were they there? But they're part of the mission. I was reading the story of Brenton Wynn and it caught my attention because it was a story that happened in Conway, Arkansas. My daughter just graduated from a school in Conway, Arkansas. And I know this church, Central Baptist Church, I would drive by it all the time. And Brenton Wynn was high on meth and he was drunk and he broke into the church one night and he doesn't even know why. He just kind of lost his mind and did $100,000 worth of damage in the church and was arrested and went to jail. And the church looked at it and and the pastor, Don Chandler, as they talked about it, he said, you know, it's kind of hard. You preach for 50 years on grace. And then you got to ask yourself, are you going to extend it? And so he went to the prosecuting attorney with the, the whole church was behind it. And they said, hey, would you offer this young man an opportunity? There's a, there's a renewal ranch is a treatment program that we help sponsor as a church. And, and we would, as a church, 
rather have him the opportunity if he's willing to go to Renewal Ranch instead of prison. The prosecutor took it to Brenton and he took it. And he went to Renewal Ranch, the judge allowed it. The judge actually served on the board of Renewal Ranch as God orchestrates things, so he was for it. And there at Renewal Ranch, Brenton was able to deal with his addictions. But more importantly, he came to Christ. And six months after he broke into the church, he was back at Central Baptist because he was being baptized in his new church family. Yeah. Listen to his words though. I love love how he puts it. He said, when I, I gave my heart to Christ, I used to think it was a coincidence that I chose to break into the church. But now I call it a confirmation that God is real. And he answers prayers. And I needed a relationship with Jesus. Guys, God's not finished with the mission. That's why we're here. That's that's what he's called us to. That's what he's unleashed us to. That's why he calls us. Now, again, hear me, because you go, well, Tim, is it fellowship and worship and glorifying God? All those things, absolutely, they're a core part of it. But the core purpose in it, what is the one thing we can do now that we will not be able to do in eternity? That is to take this mission of sharing to those who don't know Jesus Christ. And he's not finished yet. I think the other question we get wrong is who's supposed to be doing this mission? Who's supposed to be the front line doing it? And I want you to imagine, if you will, imagine you're a football player for the San Francisco 49ers. And for some of you, that's hard. Because you're like, oh, another sports illustration. Thank you, Tim. We get tired of them. I, I, I get it, I get it. But it's where my brain goes. So you gotta go with me. But imagine you're, you're a football player for the, the 49ers. You're, you're Christian McCaffrey or you're Debo. Maybe you like the defensive side of the ball. You're Fred Warner or Bosa. Yeah, I mean, you're skilled. You're a player in that. And, and because of that, you go to practices. You have coaches meetings. They talk to you about the game plan. You work on it all week. You're involved in it. Now, could you imagine if you're that player and then it becomes game time? Tomorrow night in Mexico City, when the 49ers are playing the Arizona Cardinals. Could you imagine all those players, they suit up, they're so excited, they're ready, they're trained, they're skilled. And then when they get there, the coaches look at them and they go, you know, actually we're gonna take the field. And so, you know, Shanahan, D'Amico Ryans, the other, they go, no, no, hey guys, you just watch us. Because I mean, we know this game plan better than anybody else. We've been training, we've been studying. We do. You, you guys watch us, we're gonna suit up. And then, you know, they suit up and then there's Cliff Kingsbury on the other side and, you know, they suit up and they, I mean, can you imagine the crowd in Mexico City? Like after the fascination of one play, cause I think we'd all love to see one play, you know, coaches <laughs> hitting each other. But at some point you, you, you look at them and go, why are you doing that this way? This, this is not what we came, this is messed up. And yet, I think often in the church, it's exactly what we do. We, we get our roles messed up. And so you've got these professionals, you've got pastors, you, ones that, that have a clear role within the church. But we reduce the whole mission to just a few people are doing all of it. Look how Paul described it when he, he talks about the church. He said, these are the gifts God gave to his church. He's talking about his church universal. 
He gave apostles, he gave prophets, he gave evangelists and pastors and teachers. The unique people that God has gifted and given to the church and called them and there's that role. So I'm not saying this to diminish because obviously I love the role that God's called me to. But notice what all of these people are to do. Their responsibility is to equip God's people so that God's people do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. See, they've, they've got this unique role. They come up, they equip, they call, they're like the coaches, there's a game plan, there's unique things that God's called us to do. But when he actually talks about, man, this doing, this mission, mission this living it out, man, here is the, the playing force right here. Here are the players, here's the team. And, and at some point, and maybe you've reached this point, you might have a certain frustration with your Christian life. Part of the frustration may be is we're not letting you on the field enough. We're not actually telling you you're supposed to be in the game. You're not even realizing that your life is a game. The key here is God's mission is to be carried out by God's people in their personal life. God's mission is supposed to be carried out by God's people in their personal life. And so, so as you think about that, it, it, it's not this either or against the church, but your life, your very life is that mission. Your very life is called to it. That's why when he looked at his church, he says, you're gonna make disciples. That's why he said, you will be my witnesses. Whether you realize or not, everywhere you go on the planet, you're my witnesses in it. That's why he says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you're doing it for the glory of God. All of that's part of the mission. The mission is not reduced to this one place and this one time when we're all gathered together. This is really important what we do, but if it was reduced to this, man, no wonder so many people end up kind of bored with their Christianity or frustrated. You wanna get on the field. You wanna be in the game. And I know when I say this, some of you go, but Tim, I'm not very gifted. I'm just not gifted. You guys are gifted. Y'all are professional. You're gifted at that. Listen to me. There's not a person on the planet who didn't come to Christ because God needed some gifted person to do it. I mean, you, you think God ever looks at someone that he wants to bring to himself and he goes, oh man, I would so save that person, but there's nobody gifted around. You really think he's limited by us? Guys, he does it despite us. And so, so don't allow your insecurity about even your gifting keep you from getting in the game that he's called you to. So some of you go, Tim, I work in an environment. I work at a company. I work with the most oppressive HR you've ever seen. If I even uttered the name Jesus, I could be fired in an instant. And I hear that and I go, oh, so you're a secret agent. I like it. We need some of those. And, and you're gonna be, have to be that much more strategic. And, and you are gonna have to think about it. And in fact, your witness of your life is gonna get really important. Because it may be your, your main doorway in that environment right now. Some of you, you, you may hear this and you say, but Tim, my life is a mess. I'm not perfect. 
And, and I go, a salvation message that was built on grace? You might be the perfect witness for it. Because you have the opportunity to show people, yeah, being a Christian doesn't mean that we have everything together. It means that we have a God who continually gives us grace. And we're on a journey of change. I think of the, the story that Jim Peterson tells about a young man named Mario. Mario was from South America. And Jim was on mission in Mario's life and wanted to see Mario come to Christ. Mario was brilliant. He was a Marxist and he had read a lot of philosophers. And so you can imagine the, the level of conversation around that. But Jim would meet with them and they would actually they'd study the Bible. They'd talk about it. And finally, Mario came to Christ. And, and he, he said to him, I mean, as, as Mario described it, it's, it's interesting. He said, uh, he said, do you remember what it really was that made me decide to become a Christian? And Jim started thinking, well, which of the conversations, which of the studies, which of that? Mario said, remember that first time I stopped by your house? We were on the way to someplace together. I had a bowl of soup with you and your family. And as I sat there observing you and your wife and your children, how you related to each other, I asked myself, when will I have a relationship like this with my fiance? When I realized that the answer was never, I concluded I had to become a Christian for the sake of my own survival. Now, now the interesting thing is Jim remembered that night because he remembers the first time he'd had Mari over for a meal with his family and his kids acted out the whole time. You know, he's sitting there going, I'm trying to reach this guy and you guys are acting like this. But that's what Mario said stood out to him the most, is the interaction was filled with grace. It's not perfect people, not perfect homes. It, it was the modeling of grace in that of people on mission. So as we finish out, we're gonna turn the corner here and we're gonna get real practical of, of if I'm coaching and you're players, here's a game plan of how do you get on mission? How, how do you actually get in the game that God's called us? How do you live in a way that you go, I'm purposeful in that? I'm gonna give you some practical ways to get on mission. I'm a, and they'll start with the easiest and get a little more difficult or a little more strategic around that. Here's the first one. Easiest way to get on mission is give generously. Give generously. Now, some of you just went, uh, time out, easy. There's nothing easy about that. It actually is. It's your, your simplest way to get in the game is to give. It's just to give part of your resource, give give what God's called you to give. And we talk to everybody about it and we call you to that. And, and I'm burdened to see you as a part of it, both in your faith promise giving, but in your normal giving here at the church, because it turns your heart. It turns your affections. I mean, as we said last week, you see it where your money flows, your heart goes. It's what Jesus said with it. He says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where neither thieves break in or steal. So it's very secure investment, by the way. It's eternal. But then he gives this practical principle, where your treasure is, where your money goes, your heart goes with it. And so one of the fundamental reasons that scripture over and over and over again talks about money, by the way, 
is God knows this. And God knows how quickly our affections can even go toward ourselves and the other things in life, how we can find security in it and so many of the other things around that. At a fundamental level, God calls us over and over again. He goes, hey, give, 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 give. And the reason he does that is not because God's needy for money. We can be, God never is. He does it because he knows he's designed us to be missional. And if your money is not on mission, you're probably not either. And some of you, ooh, as soon as I say that, you kind of go, ooh, how dare you say it? It's just that fundamental. And so I, I would call you, you know, we've been talking for several weeks on it. One, one of the core ways that we call to give and this way that we give as a church, it forces us to give outward is this faith promise commitment. And if you've not made the commitment, I think the last I saw, I asked Daniel this week, I think of, of our church and of, you know, after doing it for weeks, I think we have about 120 commitments. So I'm excited, 120 individuals or families. Now that's the good news, but I look around and I go, there's a lot more than 120 individuals or families who are part of this church. And, and if you're here and you've not given toward it, I'm just telling you, it, it's the doorway, simplest doorway to see your heart move toward this mission that God's called us to. I'm not as concerned about amounts, I'm more concerned. I'd love to see more people just turn in a commitment, take that step of faith. Even if you're looking at it and you go, Tim, <laughs> I have so little right now. Even a small one will turn your heart toward it. It just works in that way. Test me on it. And maybe somebody's sitting here today and you can go, well, I'm gonna just do it out of spite and show them that my heart won't go toward it. If that's the case, if you're doing to spite me, then spite me really good then. I mean, spite it big. That's what I'd say, go for it. Because here, here's what happens. This stronghold in our life starts to break. And we realize life is about more than me and what I have and what I want. And so if you've not done that, I think everybody has the card today, do something today. We, we've gone on long enough, we've told you long enough, we've said pray about it, I've been praying about it. I did mine this week. I, I like to wait because I like to give God a little time as he's moving my heart to stretch us toward what we'll do. And some of you go, well, I don't like commitment cards or plan. Great, that's fine as long as you actually do commitments. It's kind of like Bible reading plans. Other people are like, I don't like Bible reading plans. I go, that's fine for you. Here's all I know. If I don't have a plan, I won't do it. I just won't. And so that's why I need a commitment. That's why I need to step out in that. And so it's the, the simplest way to be a part. A second way you get in the game is serve enthusiastically. Serve enthusiastically. I love how Paul put it. Remember we saw this in Romans? Don't lag in zeal. Don't get to survival mode. Don't get to, it's time to make the donuts. We have to do this. He says, man, don't lag in it. Be enthusiastic in spirit. Serve the Lord. You're rejoicing in hope. Jesus is coming back. You're enduring and suffering. Yeah, life's hard right now. You persist in prayer. And look at the two sides. He says, contribute to the needs of the saints and show hospitality on both sides of the equation. You help those who are in the body of Christ 
But you also, hospitality, remember that word is love of strangers. You love those that are outside. You're on mission. You're connecting with them. And so you serve. And so let me just ask you, where are you serving? And do you have a mindset that you're serving missionally or do you have a mindset, I serve because I'm supposed to serve and the church asked me to serve? We have people right now, they're serving us on mission. Some of them are serving in children's ministry. Some are out in the parking lot, some in serve. And you can sign up for any of those roles and you kind of do it because I'm supposed to do it. This is what you do in a church. Or you can do it. And, and I've talked to so many of them. I, I love it when I walk the halls and I see different people teaching and I see some of the same people. And I come on Tuesday night and I see people that invest in young people. And you talk to them, I promise, ask any of them. They're not doing it because they have this abundance of time. None of them are sitting around going, I was so bored, I needed something to do on a Sunday morning. No, they're coming to church like you're coming to church too, but they looked at it and said, you know what, I love kids. I love teenagers. I, I love just taking my life and investing them because I'm on a mission to see the next generation different. We, we have people, and I, I've talked to them, it's, it's, it's fun. Some are out in the parking lot, some are on different teams, some are on doors. And they're, and they're not just there because they, oh, they want to serve because that's what you're supposed to do. You talk to them and they go, I'm trying to create an environment that maybe somebody who's scared of church, somebody who's far from God, somebody who's had really bad experiences in the past, I could be the first face they see. I could welcome them. So that's why I come early and I, I, I make coffee because I want to see people have a good experience here. So I put on an ugly, ugly, bright vest and I stand out in a parking lot because I know if they have a bad experience out there, some people never make it in here because how they were treated. And so they're on mission. And that, that's just on this campus, on mission across town, on mission going and serving in kids clubs in, in public schools, on mission at the Boys and Girls Club, on mission with FCA, on mission with City Team, on mission with Real. I mean, all those things, real options with it, all those places, a place to give my life away, to be a part of what God's called me to. And so the question I have to you is where are you serving? Where are you serving this that would be outside of your just normal life in a way that you go, I'm doing this because I'm on mission with Christ. And then the third one is reach strategically. Reach out, reach out with the good news. And, and, and I wanna focus on this one specifically because a lot of times, anytime you talk about reaching out and evangelism or that, I feel it. You guys get really scared. And here's what you get scared. You get scared that, you know, I'm going to go reach strategically. And so I'm going to give you this little booklet. And I want you to go up and down your street and knock on every door and share it with them. And if you do that pretty quickly, every time you knock on a neighbor's door, they will never answer. Or, or you know, this, this concept, we're going to go street preach on the street corner. I was up in San Francisco recently and there was a group and they were up there and I mean, it was loud and they were screaming and a young woman preaching. She, she actually, I mean, parts of it are like, oh, pretty effective in that. But as a strategy as a whole, 
I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's very strategic in this culture, in this place. And I know even as I say that, some of you go, Tim, God can use anything. He can, he can. He spoke to a donkey, but doesn't mean I'm gonna set up a petting zoo hoping a revival breaks out. I mean, I, God can do anything he wants to do. But I think part of what we have to do as a church, we have to be thinking, how are we strategically reaching the neighbors and the friends and the people we know and we love? How do we do this in a way that, that they can come and experience it? And uh, one of the strategies, uh, uh, there's a guy named Tom Mercer, the Oikos principle. And it's not based on yogurt, by the way. So you're not handing out yogurt um, with it. But Tom Mercer down at High Desert Church, he's written quite a bit of it. And, and it's built, if you look in the New Testament in particular, the word oikos actually means household, your house, your people. One of my favorite stories is the demoniac that Jesus healed. Remember when he healed the demon-possessed man in Mark chapter five? And he was actually in a Gentile region. And the guy was so miraculously healed, he said, man, I wanna follow you, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, but here's what I want you to do. Look what he did. He said, he didn't permit him to go, he said, Go to your home and your people. That's your oikos. Go to your people. Tell them what the Lord has done for you, that he had mercy on you. See, the, the biggest way, I think, strategically, we mess it as a church and as a people, we have everybody reaching everybody. And in the end, no one gets reached. When, when, when reaching out becomes the responsibility of everybody, and here's what we do a lot of times. It's we as a church wanna reach the Bay Area. It's a great mission statement. I say it, I'll call you to it again. But if we keep it at just that statement, man, as a church, we wanna reach the Bay. You know what you walk out doing? You go, well, this big thing called the church is gonna reach this big thing called the Bay. Can't wait to see how they do that. And surely there's somebody in that big thing called the church that's doing it. And they're gonna reach somebody out here in this big thing called the Bay. See, strategically, if we leave it at a level where everybody's reaching everyone, no one reaches anyone. And so you, you have to step back and go, okay, what does it look like strategically? Look what Jesus said. He didn't say, hey, go and reach all of Decapolis, the region he's from. He says, go to your house, go to your people, go to your oikos. Who's your front row? Who's the, the front row people in your life? They've got a front row view of your life. There's front row interactions. And you just focus on them. And so as we look at it, in fact, I want you to take out your sermon notes, even if you're not a sermon note person. Everybody take them out. Take them out. Look on the backside of your sermon notes. Come on, take them out. I see you when you don't. Some of you are so stubborn. Seriously, you'd think I would asking you to grab a snake or something. It's just the notes. Now turn it on the back side of it. And again, I, th this is, hey, right out of Tom Mercer's playbook. So I'm, I'm not taking any credit. You're, you're gonna see this more though. It's how do we strategically get on mission with the people we're gonna reach? And here's what it breaks down to. It's just five things. The first one is list the people you are close with that you will pray for them to know God better than they do today. And so you break it down, the people who are your front row people, who's your oikos? And it's about eight to 15 people. There's really not more than that. And look at the categories. You start thinking about those who are pre-Christians. 
And I love that term because everybody's a pre-Christian. Nobody's far from God. God can reach anyone. Who are the pre-Christians in your life? People, they don't know Jesus yet, but they're in your front row. They're part of your life. Who are the prodigals? Maybe it's somebody you grew up with, somebody you went to school, somebody who's part of this church, somebody in your family, but they're not walking with Jesus anymore. They may claim to even be a believer, but they're not there. So you list those people. The purposefuls. These are the believers that are actively pursuing your fa- their faith. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's people in your life you go, yeah, so I want them, they're part of my front row. And then who are the potentials? These are the people that, are, that they're showing up every so often now. They're showing up in your life. And you go, hmm, I wonder if it's coincidental that God keeps having them across my path. Now, as you fill this out, you may have, you're not limited to four on any category, nor do you have to have all four. You may only have like one person that falls under a category. I will say this, if you fill this out and the eight to 15 people in your life are all purposefuls, that's a bad sign. It means you're not rubbing shoulders on mission with anybody who needs Jesus. So the first is to list it. The second is pray. You start praying daily for your oikos, to know God more and for you to have ways to invest in their life. You just start praying for them by name every day. And and this tool right here actually would be wonderful for some of your prayer lives. Some of you try to pray and you're so bored with it. The reason is your whole prayer life is about you. So no wonder you're bored. When you start making it about the mission, even if just daily you go, okay, I wanna pray for this person. And God, how do I invest in them? How will you open a door? How are you gonna bring them to you? And you pray for them every day. And then you invest in them. You look for ways to build relationship and trust. In real ways, not in weird ways, just real ways. How would you build trust with anybody out there? How would you build relationship with a neighbor or a friend in that? But you start actually investing in them. So then it costs some of your time. And then you invite them. You either invite them to your home for a meal. You invite them out to eat. You invite them to an activity. Invite them to Winter Wonderland. The only reason we do Winter Wonderland all those nights Trust me, we got a lot better things to do during the Christmas season as a church staff, but we think it's a wonderful opportunity to create an environment where you could come along with the people in your oikos and a neighbor and a friend that you'll never get them here on a Sunday morning right now. But you could get them back on that field with the sledding hill, bounce houses and hot chocolate. And so you invite them. You invite them into part of your life. Invite them to church. Maybe they're at a place that they go, Christmas season, especially Christmas Eve service. You go, yeah, I could invite them to that. And then you're preparing yourself to be able to live out this good news. Because honestly, you start doing this, knowing that it's the mission of God, knowing that you're praying behind it, knowing that God actually wants to see this happen. You're gonna start having opportunities where people go, yeah, I do wanna know more about Jesus. And so you prepare so that you can tell them. Because there's nothing here that's rocket science. But I'm gonna tell you, this could be one of the most powerful tools in our church because we go from this kind of pie in the sky vision, oh, we wanna reach the bay, to actually getting it down and going, you know what, I'm going on mission. I'm getting in the game. I'm the players that were meant on the field. 20% of people in this country will be in a church this Sunday morning. 
You know, about 90% of the people in this country will rub shoulders with a Christian this week. Where do you think is going to be the greatest interaction? Where do you think is going to be the most strategic missional opportunity? It can't just be here. It was meant to be out there. And so as as we finish out today, I I wanna just take a few minutes right here. And and I want you to process a little bit because it's easy for, man, we do this and we go and then, you know, this gets lost and it's in the trash can. I, I want you to just have a little bit of a decision time with Jesus right now. And really around these three things. One, what are you giving? What are you giving? What are you giving? Whether it's to faith promise, whether it's to the church, whether it's beyond that, what are you giving to be a part of the mission? And if it's nothing, if that's a non-starter for you, you need to talk to Jesus about that. Because it's an indicator there's a core part of your life that is not on mission and it's probably holding back the rest. What are you giving? And if you want to do a faith promise pledge, you got a card there, you can do it, get in the game. Secondly, where are you serving? Where are you serving? Who are you serving? Where do you give your life away? Because it's this fundamental way that we show the world Jesus. And, and then the final part, I, I just would have you at least make a decision here. Will you do this Oikos plan or not? And if, if you go, no, that's fine, but tell God no. Actually make a decision about it. Don't go, you know, I'll put it in my Bible and we'll see. That's not a decision. It is a decision, but go ahead and admit it. Or if you go, hey, I've got a different plan. Great. What are you doing strategically to actually reach? And I don't, I don't need you to reach the whole bay, but there's about eight to 15 people in your life that you are plan A of the mission from God. You may be it on who they get as a witness of Christ. Do you embrace that responsibility? Let's just take a couple of minutes, process together, and then I'll pray to close us out. Father, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you that you designed it for us to have purpose and meaning and mission. Lord, we thank you that your plan wins. We know it. Jesus, you're gonna come back one day. You're gonna claim us as your own. You will conquer every form of evil. And the only reason that hasn't happened to this point is you're so patient with us. You're so patient with this world. Lord, we wanna live for that day. (laughs) But I pray today we would live in the mission you've called us to. Lord, I pray where you're stirring in our hearts. I pray for, for ways that you're calling us to live missionally with the money and the resources you've given us. Lord, would we lay those things at your altar? Lord, where you're calling us to serve Some of us, our greatest resources are time. And you're you're calling us to give some of it away. Lord, I I pray strategically as well. I, I pray when I look at the people across this room, if I multiply it by eight to 15, 
the missional effectiveness, the missional opportunity from this room alone is a pretty staggering amount. Lord, you've put those people in our lives. They have a front row seat. We pray, could they see Jesus? But we also pray, could they hear the good news from us? Lord, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.